You're listening to Raising Curious Learners, a podcast from Britannica for Parents, where we talk to experts and discuss the issues and trends in child development, education, and parenting. You're listening to Raising Curious Learners. I'm Elizabeth Romanski, and my co-host, as usual, is Anne Gadzikowski. So Elizabeth, no matter how much I learn about children, as a mom and as an educator, they still surprise me every day. I think that's what I love about working with children is how spontaneous and silly and funny they can be. They really can be. And case in point, we actually uh, recently talked to one of our colleagues. He told us a story about his little boy and some of the surprising conversations that they were having at their home. So we decided to invite him, Ben Elif, who is the ad manager at Encyclopedia Britannica and his wife, Maggie, so that they could join us and share some of those funny stories that they're having as a family. So welcome, Ben and Maggie, to our podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you. So tell us about your little boy and the funny things he's been saying lately. Well, recently we noticed that uh, Tommy decided to start uh, switching our names around or at least what he calls us. Uh, so he's calling me Mama and Maggie Dada. And then he would also append some interesting things to the end of that. Uh, he would say, hey, Mama Cat. Uh, no, I'm baby cat. No, you're daddy cat. And different things like that. There was something interesting that came up last night, right, Maggie? Last night, you referred to me as Mama Astronaut. You know, it's funny. So Tommy's three years old, three years and two months. And when this phenomenon first started happening a couple weeks ago, I was mommy and Ben was daddy, but with the modifier. And I kind of think that Baby Shark might have had something to do with it. The enduring influence of Baby Shark knows no bounds. (laughs) We should explain, just in case all our listeners are not aware of what Baby Shark is, that it's a super popular children's song, right? That's right. A super popular children's song that suffuses the culture of daycares and preschools. (laughs) And in the song, it's Baby Shark and Mommy Shark and Daddy Shark, etc. So he started saying, you know, Mama Cat, Daddy Cat, Astronaut Mom. He's called us Mama Shark. And the Sharks, yes, the Shark family. But the the switching is sort of a newer phenomenon of I'm Daddy, Ben is addressed as Mommy. And um, it is confusing. Yes. Because his rules are very arbitrary. Sometimes uh, sometimes Maggie will be Emily, which I think might be a result of the uh, Clifford cartoons oh, that he's been watching. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, what's the word I want to use? If you don't respond to your correct name, he's very uh, strident in his mm-hmm. correction. Especially when he's switching names, it almost makes you wonder like, oh, is he kind of confused? Like, is he thinking he's talking to mom or dad or in, or whatnot? But it sounds like, no, he's just playing around. Yeah, no, it's definitely intentional. And he, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and who am I? Yay! And your baby dinosaur? Yes. And who's Mama? Dinosaur. An element of pushing boundaries and like seeing what he can get away with, he will get sort of like a teasing look about him. Mm-hmm. Certainly last night when it was Mama Astronaut and he was way past his bedtime, I think he knew that he was trying to butter me up a little bit. Like, hello, Mama Astronaut. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can't see that I'm winking. It's an audio medium. You type the word fox. What was your name again, Tommy? Tommy Fox. And what's my name? Mama Fox. And what's my name? Daddy Fox. Well, this does sound a lot like really normal play, you know, that goes on as children acquire language. You know, they're playing around with words and language. It reminds me of some of the research that I read when I was in graduate school about all the different variations as children test to see what they can do with language. Tell us about Tommy's conversational skills otherwise. What is his, um, you know, favorite types of conversations to have? I'm holding the CF Ben wants to answer. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, he, he does like to play around with language a lot. He's uh, talked a lot about how is it nighttime in the morning? Is it daytime at night? We listen to Tommy songs from his playlist on one of our car trips during our commute. And on the other one, we get to listen to uh, adult music. And um, <laughs> the past few days, he's been saying, at nighttime, we'll listen to Tommy's music. And I'll say, okay, so we'll listen to tunes now. That's what we call the adult music is tunes. Mm -hmm. And uh, he'll say, no, now it's nighttime. Ah. <laughs> so that's another sort of uh, reversal of the language that he's been playing around with. And negotiation. <laughs> yes. He sounds like a pretty verbal child for a three-year-old. Um, when did he start talking? He did start talking pretty early. He was in the first two years of his life in a nanny share where his nanny spoke Spanish to him. And his first word was leche hmm. at less than one year old. Oh, wow. So he is pretty verbal. Tell me, were you asking about Peter Rabbit? No, Peter Ribbit. Who's Peter Ribbit? I don't know. Well, so the way he's playing with words, he's playing with names. And it's almost like you're trying on different roles in his imagination. So does he pretend play? Does he take on different roles or have you take on different roles? Or when he's playing with his friends, do they pretend that they're different people or animals? You know, that's a great question. And I don't know that he's quite there yet apart from this naming thing where he knows we're not sharks or astronauts or cats. But in terms of like inhabiting an imagined character, he's not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. He's just started doing things like pretending to make a smoothie with the uh, imaginary blender. He started to have like friends or his own baby. Is it, doesn't he call his baby John? Yes. <laughs> he has an imaginary friend who's a baby, John. We're expecting a baby. So there's been a lot of conversation about like babies and sisters. Mm -hmm. I wonder if his naming game is not also part of like feeling out roles in the family. You know, asking Ben like, who's your mom? Asking me who's my mom as he figures out that he's going to have a different role in the family being the brother. That makes so much sense. Wow. Does he uh, do that with your cat, T-Bone, too? Has he been naming T-Bone anything else or adding extra names? Last night he asked me if T-Bone was Daniel Tiger. Oh, good question. Which is a great question because T-Bone is an orange striped boy. And I said, they do look alike, but T-Bone's just a regular cat. He's not a tiger. <laughs>
But for the most part, it sounds like he's he's more calling humans the different names and trying it out with you guys instead. So that's interesting, too, when you think about the role in the family, um, especially when, you know, he's kind of the same. Well, he's a little bit larger than T-Bone, but in the terms of like they're the kind of that that same little person. He tries to boss T-Bone around and I'm like, well, it's a cat like that. Yeah. <laughs> won't work. Well, he's trying it out for when he becomes a big brother. That's right. He's practicing. He's practicing. I can only imagine that his imaginary friend, John, is more acquiescent than the cat. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's interesting with the naming, too, because I remember um, my younger sister, she would try out names for her dolls. And I remember she was probably about Tommy's age, maybe around four, and she named her first baby doll Carton Milk. (laughs) Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just the most bizarre thing. And we make fun of her about it now, but it was just like such a specific name. That's great. That reminds me that Tommy has named the baby sister. Oh. He came out with it one day and he's been quite adamant that her name is Hey Lolly. <laughs> which is like the song, you know, Hey Lolly, 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 uh, which is a song that Tommy loves. And he was just like, well, the baby sister will be named Hey Lolly. That's a great name. <laughs> Kind of it. Well, this also reminds me of the way when a lot of children play, everything is a family. So like, say they're playing with little animal figures. And of course, the tiger is the son and the panda bear is the mom. And, you know, everything is configured into a family, usually a similar family to their own in, in terms of family structure. I remember some preschool children when I was a teacher playing with some old keys that we had. And every time they would make a family out of the keys. This is the mommy key. This is the grandma key. This is the baby key. And sometimes it correlated to the size of the keys, but not always. Sometimes it was kind of arbitrary. Well, I'm curious, Anne, from that perspective, when they're working through kind of the family, do they replicate the family that they have and what they experience as a family? Sometimes. Like a child with a single parent, you know, might just have a mommy and the girl. Mm-hmm. But often it's it's based on stories that they've heard or television shows that they've seen too. Mm -hmm. You see that with Tommy as well? I don't know that I can think of a good example about it being like, play corresponding to the roles in the family, but he is and continues to be obsessed with the great literary work, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. Oh! Yes. And going up the stairs to bedtime, it's been the coconut tree escalator for weeks where it's like, well, okay, I'm going to go first up the coconut tree escalator and then you come after me. So he is incorporating element into his play life. Sometimes it is the cake mountain that we're climbing. So that's... Oh, the cake mountain. I don't know that I've had the pleasure of climbing the cake mountain. <laughs> wow. Tommy, were you asking about Peter Rabbit? No, Peter Ribbit. Who's Peter Ribbit? I don't know. Well, it sounds like this comes up a lot at bedtime. Some of these wordplay and pretend play, maybe as a way of kind of delaying bedtime. Is that does that happen? That's a that's an excellent question. I you know as a way of delaying bedtime, which one hundred percent is a factor. But I also wonder, you know, we 
both work and he's in daycare where he's getting wonderful attention and education. But at bedtime, he has our undivided attention in a way that is not always the case the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think that there he's testing and talking and takes advantage of having that attention to try some stuff out. Yeah, that reminds me a little bit of my daughter when she was about three years old. I, I don't remember her playing with names like that, but I do remember one day when she really surprised me with being kind of um there was some mischief involved <laughs> in, in her in her play playing with words. So we had been to a park in the car. We had driven to a park that she liked and we were on our way home. In the back seat of the car she said, "Mama, when are we going to the park? And I said, we were just at the park. We were just there. And she said, no, mama, when are we going to the park? And I started freaking out because I thought like there was like maybe brain damage and she Uh had amnesia and she had forgotten that we had just been to the park. And finally, I was able to kind of look in the rearview mirror and see her face. And she was just grinning. I was like, (laughs) she was completely messing with me, like pretending that we hadn't been to the park when we had just been there. That was more sophisticated than I thought she was capable capable of at that age. And she really played me. That was, uh, I'll never forget that. That was when I first realized that my child had the capacity to freak me out. To what you were saying, it's it's a funny thing as a parent where when they come up with new forms of mischief and you have to just sort of like grudgingly, you got to hand it to them and admire, like you've come up with a way like you're lying, but oh my gosh, uh-huh. such imagination. <laughs> yes. The way he calls you the opposite names where he calls his mom, daddy, and his dad, mommy. Do you feel like he's kind of making mischief in that way? I think he must be a little bit because I have to admit, it doesn't totally not bother me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do I do feel somewhat that mommy is a bit of an honorific, which I have earned. And likewise for daddy. And I, I think that he must sense a little bit, not that I would ever correct him, that, uh, you know, I would prefer to just be mommy. And so he knows he's got a little teasing in there for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like he is really bright and creative and funny and silly. And it sounds like you're all having a, a great time together. Why did she go to the book now? Because I tell her she wanted to go there. But why did she want to go there? Because she was a book thirsty. She was what? Book thirsty. <laughs> book thirsty. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, so stay with us and we'll be right back. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Because the news around us changes by the second, reliable information is more important than ever. Consider supporting our quest for the truth with a Britannica Premium membership and gain access to over 1 million pages of fact-checked content. Go to Britannica.com premium30 and get 30% off your subscription today. Hey everyone, let's take a moment to talk about today's sponsor. 
Did you know Britannica designed a safe and trusted site that allows kids to be just that, kids? On Britannica Kids, you'll find content from great intellects across the globe, including leading educators, Pulitzer Prize winners, and Nobel laureates. And it's all designed with kids in mind. Go to kids.britannica.com kids30 for 30% off your subscription today. I do want to take this opportunity, as long as we have you both um, on our podcast, to connect to what's going on with families right now and a lot of the content we've been presenting for um, supporting families during the pandemic. And I'm just kind of curious, not necessarily how this connects to the wordplay, but just what has it been like for your family? How is how have your routines changed and, and what is it like for you um, with everything that's been going on in 2020? Well, I think that we've been um, really lucky because of Tommy's specific age when the pandemic first hit and daycare was closed, you know, he was just old enough to be able to have his attention held by some video content or some screen time uh, where we could, you know, rely on that to uh, have some time where we would both be working. But we did have to, you know, adjust our schedules to accommodate Maggie, fortunately, as someone who was able to get up and uh, be ready to work by 7 a.m. So she could uh, start doing that. And I would hang out with Tommy for a little bit longer in the morning um, and then get, uh, you know, rolling um, about nine o'clock to actually log on and be doing some work while he might enjoy some video content. Um, Mm -hmm. But then uh, we also, you know, also live in an age where we had the iPad um, that was able to provide him some more interactive learning type games, the Endless Alphabet, uh, Endless Numbers series, Endless Spanish were some great games that really helped, I think, provide some additional fairly great training in terms of his uh, verbal skills. But then otherwise, it, it was, you know, a, a big adjustment to have that much time together. And it's in itself was uh, a really wonderful opportunity to get to know him more and uh, be around him a lot more as he was, you know, developing. So the first couple of months you were all home together. We were all home together. And it was, you know, it was a gift really to have that time as difficult as it was. And, you know, I have such sympathy in my heart for parents of school-age children who are feeling the anxiety of education loss right now. Because for us, you know, we didn't really have that worry. Although I will say that when his daycare reopened at the beginning of July and he started going back, his language and his, like, social skills absolutely exploded. So we could definitely see the difference once we had the comparison to make between the time that he was in school and the time that he was at home. And, you know, it's now been not quite a third of his life that this has been going on. Mm-hmm. And he he knows that something strange is happening. Before the pandemic hit, we were commuting on our commuter rail here in Chicago and taking the train. And I, he asked, when will we go back on the Metro train? When will we go back on the L train? He, he's very curious about the subway. You know, he wants to know when we'll be able to do all these things again. And he knows about the germ, mm-hmm. which I think must be the language that they use at school when they're talking about hand washing and everything, saying we got to be careful of the germ. So, you know, he takes it in stride because it's like kind of all he's known. 
which is terrible. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm glad that he knows that something is not right and that we can talk to him about things to look forward to. That this isn't the norm for him. Right. We were on the playground the other day and, you know, playground culture here in Chicago is pretty weird because, like, some of the playgrounds are still locked. Others are not locked. People have different approaches about whether they should be masked at the playground, like, even if no one else is really near them, et cetera, et cetera. could be a podcast topic for another day, I'm sure. But I watched Tommy approach a little girl of the same age, maybe a little bit older. Tommy was masked. The other little girl wasn't. And she put up her hand and said, wait, I don't have my mask on and ran to her mommy to like get the mask. And you can hear that I'm getting emotional because it was just like a really heartbreaking thing to think of these little kids being worried about that kind of thing. Yeah, because it was it was such a innate reaction already, you know, for them. So that that is heartbreaking. That's right. I suppose we could flip that as a positive and say this little girl was taking care of herself and her friend and that that was a that was a gesture of caring as well. That's right. It's heartbreaking to me as the adult who knows different. Yes. Mm-hmm. But for them this is just how it is. Yeah. And it'll be very interesting to see what the long-term effects are. Yeah. I agree. It'll it'll be interesting too as as things, you know, start to go back to normal and how the kids around Tommy's age kind of react to like, oh, I don't have to wear a mask anymore. Or I can actually like play how I used to, where, you know, kids on the playground like they'll just hug each other randomly, <laughs> you know? And so it'll it'll just be it'll be interesting to see how they readjust. You know, I'm just curious. This wasn't a planned question, but what are you saving? from this time to look back on later do you have do you have pictures or you know any kind of archives that you're keeping so that when Tommy grows up you can look back and say remember during the pandemic and this is what we did a photographer in our neighborhood was doing porch portraits Mm-hmm. which was a phenomenon that you might remember from kind of early. So we have those pictures. So she like photographed us from the sidewalk. And I think that we'll always remember like why it was that we were had our family picture taken sitting on the porch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, certainly uh, my daily picture taking increased a whole bunch once the pandemic started because we were just around each other more and uh, you could capture doing all these cute things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with today's technology, you have, the ability to save all those photos in one place, mm-hmm. all, uh, you know, in the cloud so that hopefully they'll be around forever. And uh, you can go back and, and look at all these individual moments and how things changed over time on almost a daily basis. Well, and of course, you'll have this podcast that you can go back and listen to. That's another snapshot. That's right. Well, and and from the newborn's perspective, I mean, it is going to be very interesting for you, Maggie, as the experience that you can compare, like giving birth pre-pandemic and then kind of near the end, hopefully, of, of the pandemic. But it'll be really interesting for you to just see how that is. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't anticipate that in January of 2021, things would still be quite the way they are. Mm-hmm. I've gone through my entire like medical care with people who have been masked, you know, like all the midwives who I've been with, I've never quite seen their face. It's kind of weird. And uh, I haven't been able to go to any appointments. That's right. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, you guys have had a lot of interesting experiences from both the perspective of a toddler growing and, you know, trying to understand how to balance your work life with your personal life with a toddler. And then on top of that, being expecting and having to go through that whole experience. Been through a lot this year. Well, relative to many people, we are very, very fortunate. Do you have any final words of wisdom, lessons learned, or even questions that you're thinking about moving forward? I mean, I certainly find it to be exciting to go with the flow and to almost follow uh, Tommy's lead as we're going through all this. There's, you know, of course, a lot of things that you need to hold him back from uh, and teach him, but he's also uh, imparting his own sort of wisdom to us. Yeah, having a kid is, it's a way of, of sort of relearning everything a little bit. And I think we try to embrace that. That's good advice. Let the children take the lead and, and listen to their wisdom. Well, I've had such a wonderful time talking to you guys, and I hope everything goes well as you know you round out until January. But it was a pleasure to speak with both of you, and I really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us, and um, enjoy that silly, playful bedtime talk in the future. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Raising Curious Learners. Special thanks to our guests this week, Ben and Maggie Ellis, our friends and parents to son Tommy and Kat T-Bone for giving us a peek into their experience raising a toddler during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Elizabeth Romanski, and my co-host is Anne Gadzikowski. Our audio engineer and editor for this program is Emily Goldstein. If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and share with your friends. This program is copyrighted by Encyclopedia Britannica Incorporated, all rights reserved. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Britannica for Parents, a free site with expert advice for your tech-savvy family needs. Whether it's explaining Zoom to your three-year-old, navigating your child's new friendship with Siri, or more serious topics like talking to young children about the police or sending your kids back to school during the COVID-19 pandemic, we're here to help with resources for parents of all age groups. Check us out at parents.britannica.com.